Ronaldo vai partir para a bola, Ronaldo, Ronaldo vai partir, paradinha, atirou, golo! Já está! Já está! Já está! Hello and welcome to Portugal podcast number 96. Today we have a podcast with a difference as we'll be focusing entirely on a number of Portuguese doing very well for themselves in France. To do so I'm joined by French football expert, scout and journalist James Easton. Hi there James, how are you? Hello, Hello Tom, I'm very well thank you, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine as well, thank you for coming on. You're more than welcome. Okay, well James, uh, there's only one place to start with if we're talking about Portuguese in France in 2014-15 and that of course is Monaco. Uh, we'll come on to the fantastic seasons of Bernardo Silva, Moutinho and Carvalho in a while but first uh, let's have a little focus on the coach, Leonardo Jardim. Now, we met in the summer and when we talked uh, we were both slightly doubtful, I think it's fair to say, about this move given Jardine's slightly defensive mindset. Uh, do you actually think the sales of James of Hammers, Rodriguez and uh, Falcão before the season started, do you think that actually may have helped Jardine's situation in a kind of roundabout way? I mean, after all, it must have lowered expectations for one thing. Yeah, I think it probably did, Tom. You know, I remember that chat we had last summer in Lisbon about Jardine and, and whether he was the right man for the job. Um, and there was a lot of scepticism in France when he got the job, partly because, well, number one, he wasn't really known over here, and number two, people wondered if he was the right man to take on a squad with such big names um, in it, and whether, you know, he could build on what Ranieri's done. But I think the departure of James Rodriguez and Falcao did help, in the sense that, you know, there's not so much focus on them, and, um, and there haven't been the big names at Monaco. So that has helped him. Um, I think he's won people over with maybe, if not the way Monaco has played, certainly with uh, the results they've had since October, November. Uh, they've been very, very good. It does look now like they're, well, they are strong contenders for top three place in League One. And if they finish top three, I think that will be a sign of success because really their only aim this season was to uh, stay in the Champions League. They didn't really believe they could challenge for the title. I think once James Rodriguez went, People realised that wasn't going to happen. Um, and after that, a top three place became a priority. And at times, certainly at the beginning of the season, that looked unlikely. But they've improved and they've got stronger. I think, you know, Jardim's going to done a good job. And they have been defensive. They've not been great to watch at times. Um, but, you know, they've got great results. And I think, although they have been defensive, in a way, you can't really blame Jardim for that when you look at what they lost. Because they did lose Rodriguez, who got nine goals last season um, they lost Falcao now I know Falcao missed the second half of last season for injury but he still contributed uh, nine goals when he was fit and the other player they lost which gets forgotten now is Emmanuel Riviere at Monaco he went to Newcastle United and he did get ten goals for Monaco last season so I think Jardim uh, has, has worked on the defence and realised that that was going to be the strength of the side and he's done that very very well so you know coming to the end of the season if you were to summarise it you would say he's been a success at Monaco yeah, it's interesting because I think, uh, if I remember rightly, near the start of the season they did struggle and I think there was even a little bit of uh, speculation that he, he may be facing the sack, didn't he? Because the first uh, five or six games, they I think they barely won a game, did they? 
Yeah, that's right. He did have problems early on. And, you know, there was a couple of issues which, I, I don't know if, again, they got covered in Portugal, but he had a bit of a fallout with uh, Jeremy Toulon, the holding midfielder at Monaco, who is a, you know, he's a big name in French football. He's a very highly respected player. And, and that didn't help. Um, he went from being somebody that people didn't know to then falling out with one of the main men at Monaco. So he made a bit of an inauspicious start. But he has won people round, and he's done it purely and simply with the way he's set Monaco up and the results that he's got. Yeah, you know, he's, yeah. Been, he's been quite low profile compared to someone like Marcelo Bielsa, for example. And yet, right now, it looks as though Jardim's Monaco are going to finish above Marcelo Bielsa's uh, Marseille. So, yeah. yeah, he's done. He's done a good job. And um, I think, you know, looking back at the season and where he was in August, September, compared to now, um, I'd say his stock has certainly risen over here. Yeah, well, that that uh, word you just used to describe him there, low profile, I think that would be the perfect way to describe him, even in Portugal, really. You know, he steadily yeah. built his career, didn't really do anything spectacular anywhere, but just did a really good, steady job everywhere, gradually worked his way up, even at Sporting, did the same thing. So that's great to see, and it would be interesting to see if he can, uh, of course, build on this uh, next season. OK, um, now, I'm sure that... Uh, there, you know there's one player in particular at Monaco who's got people in Portugal very excited indeed uh, at Bernardo Silva he's been touted as a future star of the game for some time now he was player of the season in Portugal's second tier last season playing for Benfica B uh, where he was there where he was dubbed uh, Mezzazinho do Seixal uh, which basically means the little Messi of Benfica's Seixal Youth Academy uh, he was then sold to Monaco for 15 million euros, you know, a big price, despite having paid, played very little top-level football. Uh, but many Benfica fans were quite unhappy at the time about the transfer, saying he was actually worth more than that. So, James, uh, he seems to be living up to the hype. Uh, how good has he been? He's been very good, Tom. And it's interesting to hear what you say there about Benfica fans and their feelings on that transfer fee of 15 million euros when he when he was sold to Monaco because that's actually the opposite of what a lot of people in France were thinking um, when that, that fee and that buyout clause was mentioned. Um, mainly because people over here didn't know who he was when he arrived and although he did do well during the first half of the season at times, he was still a fringe figure for Monaco during the first few months of the club. He, he wasn't starting many games, um, he was in and out of the team. And so when Monaco exercised their right to buy him in January, I think a few people, even though he, you know, he didn't occur until them, were surprised. But even now, you know, just three or four months on from, from when that buyout clause was used, I do think people now see Bernardo Silva as potentially, if you look over the next two or three years, um, potentially a really good buy that because he settled in very, for a, you know, for a guy of only uh, 20 years old, he settled in very, very well. And, um, Again, you know, we were talking about how Monaco have been quite defensive this year. He has been really useful in bringing some of that skill and ability in the final third that they lost when they sold James Rodriguez into this team. You know, he's got eight goals in yeah. 22 starts as Bernardo, so which is, which is pretty good. And he, he would probably argue he's not being used in his best position. I think he sees himself um, as a number 10 who would like to play centrally. Well, at Monaco, he's mainly been used on a wing because of Jean Matinho, and he's done really, really well. So you can argue it's quite easy to settle at Monaco these days if you're a Portuguese speaker because of Jardim being there, um, and the fact there's a lot of Portuguese uh, speakers in that squad, which is true. But, you know, for a young kid who arrived, uh, you know, from a, a big club, 
and had to adapt to French football and Monaco. Um, he's done really, really well. And I think, you know, if he if he stays, if they see him as someone that they're going to keep rather than try and sell on for a profit in the next kind of six or 12 months, then I think we could see him become a really, really important player in the French league over the next couple of years. Yeah, well, that's great to hear. And that's very interesting what you were talking uh, about his position because... Uh, like I said, here in Portugal, a lot of people had big hopes for him and a lot of Benfica fans thought he could be a big player for them. He's a big Benfica supporter, of course. He, you know, he always says it's the club of my heart and, and all the rest of it. And so, uh, people really thought, you know, this, finally Benfica could have a homegrown player who could really, you know, become a top player in a world game. But, yeah. uh, the feeling was his best position was number 10, exactly. And Jorge Jesus, really has been fantastically successful at Benfica over the last uh, six years, but he's, he really doesn't use a number 10 at all in his system. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he does use wide midfielders, you know, basically almost two uh, wingers, really, or wide midfielders. And so that's interesting what you say there. Maybe he could have been used there. But anyway, not to be. And great to hear that he's doing well in, uh, in Monaco. Now, uh, I want you to cast your mind back almost exactly one year ago. In lead-up to the 2014 World Cup, uh, you wrote an excellent article on how João Moutinho had struggled, really, in his first season in France, which perhaps explained his substandard performance for the Seleção at the time. Uh, that was something which, unfortunately, was evident in Brazil, uh, where you know Portugal had such a disappointing tournament and Moutinho, who's such an important player for Portugal, really didn't play at all. Uh, you know, didn't play well at all, and that the Portugal suffered for it. However, uh, Moutinho's form for Portugal has been back to its best in recent matches. And uh, is it fair to say that mirrors his club form this season, James? I think he's been better, Tom. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I was slightly disappointed in the drama Moutinho. Um, in his first season in France there was a feeling that maybe some people in France thought he'd done badly because they didn't really understand what sort of a player Moutinho was I, I never really bought that you know I, th- I think people over here knew that he, he wasn't the type of guy who was going to stand out in games and excite fans every single week and, and score goals and play the final ball I don't whereas this season um, but I think he's done well I think he's looked a little bit happier where he's been on the pitch I think the fact that Jeffrey Condobbia the France international midfielder has, has certainly improved this season at Monaco has helped him because it's given Moutinho a little bit more freedom to be on the ball and a little bit more freedom to try to get forward and make things happen. Condobbia has certainly um, has done a really, really good job in midfield alongside Jeremy Toulon usually, which is which has helped him. So I think he's been good. I think he's been very steady um, in that team. Um, he's kept the ball very well in the games that I've seen. I've not seen Moutinho live this season actually, but watching a lot of Monaco matches in full-on TV. He's kept the ball very well. Um, and he's been important, really, just in terms of stability, I think, in that squad. Because you know, having lost James Rodriguez and Falcao, who were the two biggest names, Moutinho is probably as part of this new era, if you like, at Monaco. I don't think he'll be winning any of the end-of-season awards in France. Um, he's a player that doesn't, again, you know, we're talking about Jardim having a low profile. I think the same applies to Moutinho. You, you see very few interviews with him in France, and he's very low profile in terms of the way the media talk about him. But if you watch, if you've watched Monaco's games closely, I think he's done he's done well. He's been important, and you know, in a team with a lot of young players who are hoping to stabilise in the top three, yeah, I think Martinez has been 
been been really key for that, and and we would like to see him stay because you know Monaco have some big names, and Matinho is a big name, and and you know if they're going to uh, keep trying to uh, bring these young players on, I think Matinho will be important in that in the next couple of years. Yeah, and of course I suppose a big help to uh, to Bernardo Silva, like you were just talking about a while ago. Uh, it was good uh, to see just this weekend uh, Moutinho scoring and having a, a very nice assist. Uh, he actually scored with a header, which uh, I think must be a first. <laughs> Such a small player. I don't think. And I, I think can... talking about Bernardo Silva as well. So I think you're absolutely yeah. right about that. I do remember yeah. back at the beginning of the season, Bernardo Silva said that you know he had spent quite a bit of time talking to Moutinho at the club and the way it works and and you know how yeah. well the pitch and in a in a funny way, you know, Moutinho is maybe stopping Bernardo Silva playing in his preferred position. You know, we talk about the number ten position, but at the same time, you know, having a guy like Martino just alongside you in midfield can only help Bernardo Silva. So I think you know he has been useful and important for Monaco. Yeah, yeah. Okay, finally uh, uh, at Monaco, uh, by all accounts, it's been another solid season for Ricardo Carvalho, uh, and of course, Carvalho rather unexpectedly uh, found himself back in a Portugal setup when uh, Fernando Santos took over from Paulo Bento. And he's quickly proved he deserves to be there. He's put in some great performances for the Seleção, really rolling back the years. Uh, how would you assess his performances this season at club level, James? Uh, I think he, I think he's been good, Tom. I think in a in a funny way though, it's quite difficult to separate out uh, individual performances in this Monaco uh, defence because they've been such a solid unit. It's been incredible. You know, they've kept an enormous number of clean sheets. And I think the reason. You can't put your finger on it and say absolutely that Carvalho has been outstanding because Monaco have actually used four centre-backs um, this season for one reason or another. They've had injuries and they've had suspensions. Um, just four centre-backs. It hasn't really mattered which two of the years. They've continued to be to be solid and the goal has been very, very good as well. So I think Carvalho is really fine. Um, he's not been... Uh, he's not seemed to be on a downward spiral in the way some people thought he might be this year, but he, he's not been a key player in the sense that when he's been when he's not been there, Monaco haven't hugely missed him. You know, they've got um, a guy called Abdenor, who's a Tunisia international, he's been very solid. Uh, a guy called Wallace they brought in, who's done very well, uh, and Andrea Radji, who's been at the season now. So all four of those players have done well, and and Carl, you know, being one of them who, who's done well and. The thing about Carvalho that Jardim seems to like is his experience. You know, it's notable he brought him in against Juventus in the Champions League quarterfinals, so he still sees him as an important player at that level. Um, and he has been good, you know. And uh, yeah. whether he'll continue to play every week if he stays next season, I don't know. Um, yeah. He's played 22 games this season, so you know you're looking at maybe two thirds of the matches, and, and and that looks about right given the competition that he's got. But again. Very solid season. When you look at um, Monaco's fantastic defensive record, he's certainly contributed to that. Okay, very good to hear. It's all good news for Portuguese football at Monaco then. Uh, But that's not the only Portuguese interest in France. Uh, Far from it, actually. Uh, Leon, they're fighting hard for the championship and uh, goalkeeper Anthony Lopes is certainly playing his part judging by reports uh, tell us about him James very good young goalkeeper um, he's 24 years old uh, he came through a French born goalkeeper he came to the youth academy 
at Lyon, which is probably the best youth academy in France. Um, certainly, if you look at the uh, Lyon first team this season, Tom, it's absolutely incredible how many of their ideal starting 11 came from their youth academy. Uh, he's a confident golfer. Uh, I like him. I like his body language when you see him play. He's very positive about what he does. Um, he makes quick decisions. Uh, they tend to be good decisions. He's quick coming off his line. Um, I think the one weakness, if you can call it that, in his makeup is his, his height. He's not the biggest goalkeeper. He's 184 centimetres. And, and it does show when you see Leon play a huge goalkeeper the way you see these days. But it reminds me a little bit of Hugo Lloris, the France goalkeeper. In the, you know, Lloris wasn't the biggest goalkeeper either. And when he used to play over here in France at Nice, he was... He would compensate that by being very quick off his line, very, very agile, and there's a little bit of that in Lopez too. Um, so he's been terrific, Tom. A really good prospect. Um, I can see him becoming you know, Portugal's uh, number one goalkeeper in the future, certainly. And later today, um, the French Players' Union are going to announce the shortlist for goalkeeper of the year in League One. There'll be four names on it, and I'll be very surprised, very surprised indeed, if Lopez isn't one of them, because he's been terrific. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Excellent to hear. I think uh, a lot of people are actually uh, agree with you there about him becoming the the future Portugal number one because uh, Rui Patricio, of course, a sporting goalkeeper, he's been a first choice Portugal goalkeeper for a number of years now. Uh, a few people uh, have a few misgivings about him. He tends to lack concentration and let in the uh, you know the the odd blunder on a quite a regular basis. So, yeah, I think if uh, Anthony Lopes continues progressing, he uh, he could perhaps uh, get that number one spot in the not too distant future. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Just quickly on that, Tom. It's yeah. interesting you say that about mistakes because you, you know when you watch Lopez, he's played every single game this year for for Leon uh, at, at the top level because they are fighting the title, and he's made very very few mistakes. Yeah, he's a very safe goalkeeper from what I've seen. So. In that respect, he's certainly a contender, I would say, for the Portugal number one spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Patricio used to make a lot of mistakes at the start of his career. He, he kind of uh, cut that out of his game. He improved his concentration, but he seems to have regressed a little bit. And so, yeah, I think that certainly could be the case. Uh, I've just seen a few clips of him, you know, on YouTube and everything. And everything you say about him that really just uh, you know, rings a bell with me. I did notice he was quite short. It reminded me a bit yeah. of... Of Beto, the the other yeah. Portuguese goalkeeper who plays for Seville, you know, very agile, very brave, uh, very very athletic, but uh, you know, and he just makes some terrific saves. He uh, he really does look uh, and that, like you said, Leon. I suppose in in one way, it's a it must be quite an exciting project there with all these young players uh, around him. Yeah, it's been fantastic for him. Yeah, in, in a way, it's been quite I guess an easy transition at Leon because. The kids that come through that youth academy right now, certainly over the last two years, they've seen a, a clear path of progress to the first team, and he's surrounded by a lot of people he'll know well from that youth academy, a lot of whom actually have come through at, behind him. I know he's only 24, but a lot of players in that Leon team are actually a little bit younger than that, so he's a very confident guy, certainly in terms of his body language, and he looks very comfortable there, which is what you'd expect. Yeah. Is there any uh, talk at all in France, uh, any kind of regrets that he didn't choose France, uh, that he chose Portugal, because like you said, he was born and, and raised in France, you know, he learned his trade there, came through the academy, so was there a bit of a surprise when he uh, when he decided to choose Portugal as his national team? 
That's a good question. The answer is no, actually, to that. There hasn't been, well, certainly not I've seen in the media. I've not seen any talk of that. That could possibly be because he's actually not been on the scene at the first team level at Lyon very long. So, um, and, he, and he made that decision about Portugal, I think, some time ago. So in a, in a funny way, it was never really seen as something that, that could happen, Lopez playing for France. If he continues to play the way he does, then maybe that will start and people will think, oh, you know, missed out on a good goalkeeper there. I think at the moment, the fact that Hugo Lloris is such a good goalkeeper, he's captain of France, um, and he's still relatively young, uh, Hugo Lloris, he was born in 1986. At the moment, people aren't actually too worried about the goalkeeper position, you know, so it, it, in that sense, it's not a topic that has come up. But, um, yeah, I mean, if he was eligible for France with year 2016 on the horizon in France, um, there would certainly be talk about him going to that tournament, I would say, that number three spot behind... Loris and Hugo Man- uh, and Steve Mandanda of Marseille is kind of available and I, and I would say he'd be a contender for that yeah of course it'd be interesting maybe if Portugal uh, well I think Portugal would definitely qualify maybe they'd be playing <laughs> with lots in France we'll have to wait and see okay well we've already talked at length about uh, Bernardo Silva but uh, many believe it's another up and coming footballer in France who is destined to become the star man for Portugal in a not-too-distant future, I'm talking about Ronnie Lopes, uh, Marcus Lopes, uh, the brilliant Brazilian-born attacking midfielder on loan at Lille from Manchester City. Uh, his progress has been hampered a bit by a few injuries uh, this season, I see, but I also notice he's still managed to, to make a splash and to put in some very good performances. So, James, uh, marks out of 10, please, and do you see him as a potential superstar to sell us out, or... Is that pushing it a bit too far? Uh, well, Ronnie, Ronnie Lopez, Tom, I would give him 6 on 10 for this season, which may, may sound like he, he's nothing special, but, you know, let me explain. I think he is a very good prospect, Ronnie Lopez. The problem that he's had this season at Lille is injuries. It has disrupted his season uh, terribly. When he's been fit, he's looked terrific. He's looked absolutely terrific. But he's been in and out of the team because of uh, mainly hamstring problems. And, uh, you know... In a sense, we'll get to this end of the, the end of this season. And if he does and get to Manchester City after his loan, then we'll, we'll kind of feel we didn't see the best of him because when he was fit and he managed to get a run of games uh, in the team, he looked fantastic. I had a quick look actually. The most games that Tony Lopez has played in succession for Lille in the league is five. He managed five starts on the run in February and March, and he got two goals and two assists. Um, and I was there for the game. I think it was the last day of February in Lille when they played uh, Leon, and he was terrific that day. He scored a fantastic goal, and you could really see that he's, he's got something about him. He plays in that number 10 position. He's very good at finding space between the opposition defence and midfield. He's very good at control, taking the ball on the half turn. He's got a good first touch. Um, he's very two-footed as well. He's, he's one of the most two-footed players I've seen in France this year, Johnny Lopez. It was actually quite difficult when he arrived. Uh, to work out whether he was left-footed or right-footed. He was so good on both sides. Um, so he, he's a great talent. I would say, yes, question, you know, is he a fantastic talent? Yes, he is. Um, is he a potential superstar of the, of the national team? I'd say it's a bit too early for that, but he's certainly got great natural ability. Um, and it would have been a good season for him in a way because he's had to move away from uh, where he was based before. He's had to move to France. You know, Lille has been a tough challenge for him. They're not the most expansive football inside, you know. There's been a lot of dour games in this Lille team. So we'll have learned a lot playing in a team where it's 
quite difficult to express yourself. Um, it's been a tough season after the season last year. So I think you'll come out of it battled, battle hard, really. Um, and yeah, we're kind of lacking more, I guess, on from running open because we've seen flashes of what he can do without seeing everything that he can do. But you know, he's only 19 years old. There's an awful lot more to come from him, and um, he's, he's definitely one of the more exciting young players that we've seen in League One this season. I'd certainly say that about him. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it'd definitely be one who would be watched very closely here in Portugal and has been. Uh, there was another little bit of a talk this week uh, with one of the main Portuguese websites, Mais Football. They had an interview with him and uh, the question came up again of whether he would play for Portugal or Brazil uh, You know, in the future at full senior level. He's played at Portugal through all the youth levels and so... A lot of people here in Portugal are very keen for uh, Fernando Santos, the Portugal manager, just to give him a cap, just to kind yeah. of uh, lock him down yeah, for, for Portugal in the future. OK, well, we're not done yet with the promising list of young Portuguese players in France because uh, Lorient's... Uh, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that, actually. <laughs> Lorient. Lorient. Lorient, yeah. That sounds yeah. more like it, yeah. <laughs> Lorient left back, uh, Rafael Guerreira. He enjoyed a spectacular start to his international career. He played really well when he was given his debut by Fernando Santos in the Euro 2016 qualifier against Armenia in the Algarve. Uh, I went to see that match. I think he was possibly man of the match in that game. And then he followed that up with a definite man of the match performance and the winning goal in the Portugal friendly against Argentina at Old Trafford a few days later. So uh, at the time, he was also scoring freely for his club, which I thought was quite remarkable given that he's a left-back, at least that's where he played uh, for Portugal. But then I was informed that he's been playing uh, in midfield, he's sometimes been playing actually as a winger. So unfortunately, injury then seems to have halted his progress a bit. So, James, uh, can you give us an update on his position? Uh, what's his reputation like in France? And uh, has he, is he another one who was a bit uh, injury uh, hit this season? Well, starting off with reputation, Tom, in France, Rafa Guerrero, very, very highly rated. And, and to be honest, nothing was driving about how far he goes in football because ever since I started to watch him when he was playing in the second division in France at Caen, he has got better and better and better. And... The thing about Guerrero is he just seems to take every new challenge he faces in his stride. Um, it, it, you know, he seems to step up every time he's, he's asked to step up. You're talking about how well he played for Portugal. It's been like that all the way through with Guerrero. Um, I remember when he moved to Lorient um, a couple of years ago, he moved at the same time as Bukar, um, who's obviously now over with, with you guys in Portugal. And I remember a time the L'Oreal manager said that while Abubakar took a little bit of time to settle and needed, you know, needed uh, his confidence boosting now and again in the early weeks of his time at L'Oreal, Guerrero arrived and settled in straight away. I found it absolutely fine and was playing straight away as though he'd been there a long time. So I think you're looking here at a player with a very strong mentality who is very confident without ever being, you know, cocky um, and just seems hopeful. No matter what position he's, he's put in on the pitch, yes, he has played more as a winger this season. Lot uh, got a, a left back called Vincent Le Goff, who they brought into the team kind of October November time. And when they did that, they moved Guerrero from the left back position where he'd always played at first team level, and they put him on the left wing. And those two, Le Goff and Guerrero, played in tandem in the four four two that Lorient normally use 
and Guerrero has been fantastic. Now, it's been a surprise to people who've only seen Guerrero at first team level that he's done so well as a left winger, although when he was a young player, he actually used to play as an attacking midfielder in youth academies. I think he played as a number 10 for a while and was actually quite a good goal scorer, and only when he uh, when he was at Connor moving towards the first team did he did he revert to left back so he's got that ability to play those two positions on the left hand side um, he has got goals he's got seven goals this season and four assists um, and the injuries have only come recently he's actually played 30 games this season so he's been absolutely fine he has had a thigh injury recently which has troubled him a little bit longer than people thought it would and that's just hampered him a little bit but he's had another very very good season um, and you know, I would not be surprised if Carrera goes a long way in football because he just seems to be able to step it up when he needs to. Whether he'll stay at Lorient next season, I, I'm not sure he will. You know, they they're in the relegation battle, so they might go down. If they go down and, and out of League One, then he'll certainly leave. And um, even if they stay, I think he might leave anyway because he's pretending at a pretty fast rate, and I think there'll be a lot of interesting on it both from the top clubs in France and also in clubs abroad as well. Oh, wow, James, that's uh, fascinating to hear. Yeah, uh, a couple of things I'd like to say about that. Yeah, the the fact you say he just takes on new challenges, uh, you know, without uh, kind of, uh, you know, without blinking his eyes, that... Uh, like you said, when he played for Portugal, it was a bit of a surprise when he was selected because Portugal have got some fantastic under-21 talent and a lot of people have been calling for a lot of their players to to, to be called up to the senior side. Uh, Guerreiro was one of the first and he was a bit of a surprise because uh, there's other players which other, which a lot of analysts thought uh, maybe were more deserving of a place. But like you said, the, those first two games he played for Portugal, absolutely outstanding in both of them. Uh, and another yeah. thing which I found very interested in your uh, when you were just talking there is uh, he, I've read somewhere that he went to uh, Lorient, but even at the time he had offers from bigger clubs, and he decided yeah. to go there precisely because he knew that uh, you know he'd be playing every week. And so he also seems to be quite intelligent in uh, you know the way he's managing his career. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think you know Lorient over here, Tom, have got a reputation for giving players. Good young players, good first team opportunities. They're also quite good at buying players from the French second division and putting them in teams. Um, and Guerrero certainly fitted that bill because he played in the second division with Con. So I think he's a really smart. I mean, I don't know him. I've never met him, but he seems like a really smart young guy. Um, both in terms, like you say, of the decisions he's making about his uh, about his career and how to move up that ladder. And on the really, you know, I remember seeing him in the French second division with Con. And although he was good, he was very good at times. You couldn't really tell how far he could go because, yeah, he was a good young left back. But until you're really challenged at a high level, you know, how do you know? And since going into the first division, he's just got better and better. And you know, the way he's adapted to playing further forward this year, although he's got that in his locker from his youth academy days, he's he's, he's done it straight away. You know, he's adapted to that position further up the field straight away. So right now, he's he's, he's certainly one of the very top young prospects um, playing. In and say, you know, I can see him going a long way because he seems to have a great man. His capacity to adapt to whatever position he's put in, in terms of position on the pitch and where he's playing off the pitch, and he's well regarded in France. And because of that internationalism he's got, being a Portuguese international now, I think that if and when he does leave Lorient, there'll be some interest from, from some bigger clubs abroad. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Okay. Well, James, we could talk all day about these Portuguese footballers doing so well in France. 
But uh, unfortunately, time has beaten us. Uh, thank you so much for your expert insight. My pleasure, Tom. Thank you very much for having me on. Okay. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, with the Portuguese Championship set to be won and lost in the next couple of weeks, not to mention the upcoming Portuguese Cup final, uh, we'll be back soon to discuss the season finale. Até a próxima!